Welcome to the Kingdom Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Jamie Dixon. For more great content, visit klcmain.com. Here, here's what I feel like the Lord is saying um, over us in this season. And I feel like I feel like the Lord is wanting to teach some people about living in a supernatural lifestyle. And um, I feel like this, we're coming into these next few months, I feel like there's a sovereign move of the Holy Spirit to break past people's boundaries, walls, um, and the pragmatic movements of their life. And God is going to break through and absolutely apprehend from morning to night every part of your DNA and a part of your being and, and beginning to release a supernatural movement on your life. So people that are very familiar with Christian movement, but they're not familiar with the Holy Spirit movement. And, uh, and I feel like this is a time where the Lord is going to break down walls and barriers and a full immersive move of the Holy Spirit is going to overtake some people. Is that all right? And, um, and so I, I wanna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach on this a little bit today. Um, but I really feel like this is less about what we're going to start teaching and more about what he's going to start doing. Um, sometimes we give language to just basic fundamental truths, and sometimes we need to give language to what he's doing. So that as he does it, you have language to understand it. Is that all right? So go with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. <clears throat> You know, in Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is the uh, good and perfect will of God. Too many believers are living in the moment, and they're not living from the unseen realm. As believers, we're not allowed to live in the moment. We're supposed to live in the unseen realm. We're supposed to live from a reality that nobody else is, can see. You have a supernatural ability. You, you have the seed of the Holy Spirit. You have God himself resident in your life, and he has removed every obstacle, every barrier, every, every cloud of confusion has been completely destroyed and ripped away, and you are now uh, in, in a living partnership, relationship, with the Holy Spirit, God himself is, is living, residing, and manifesting in your life. I mean, so you're not supposed to live for moments. You're supposed to live in an unseen reality. And, and I wanna, I'm going to use a word this morning um, that I want us to get very familiar with. Uh, something that I want us to normalize. Something that has scared a lot of people. Something that has been misused and misrepresented for, uh, for generations but I want us to get very normal because it is meant to be a normal tenant of your Christian life experience. And that word is the prophetic. Um, the prophetic is something that's been relegated to a man, to a ministry, to a gifting. But I want you to understand that the prophetic is actually entirely founded upon the testimony of Jesus. And is meant to be the ministry of the Holy Spirit himself in and through your life. Uh, we, don't, we don't get to um, exit the prophetic conversation because we didn't pass the test that we took in youth group. Is that all right? The Spirit himself is the Spirit of prophecy. And he resides within you 
not only is he resides within you, but he's founded upon the foundation of the prophetic is the testimony of Jesus. <clears throat> we often, uh, you know, limit the prophetic to a moment or to a word. We chase down prophetic words and we wait for them to happen. But I want to talk about living not only for a prophetic word, waiting for something to happen, but living from a prophetic reality. Because this is where the prophetic ministry comes from, is not living for a prophetic word. Sometimes I think that we, um, I, I don't want to get too um, swirly and cinematic with some of my language today. Um, because the spiritual realm is a very real place, and we need to get language for it. And the prophetic is a very real spiritual reality that we need to get language for. And that we need to understand is actually the mode of operation of the Holy Spirit is prophetic. Um, I, I want to talk about living from a prophetic reality. I want us to, to get so comfortable with the prophetic anointing of the Holy Spirit that it rests on our every interaction. I want us to become a prophetic community. I want us to become a prophetic people. I want, I want our children to be raised in prophetic environments. I want them to know and be familiar with the prophetic movement. And when I say prophetic movement, I mean the movement of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> I want to normalize us prophesying over each other. Like I want us to, I think sometimes we got to go, like, all right, I got I to work this up. Got to work up the prophetic. And, you know, okay, let me worship for 30 minutes and I'll get a word and I'll share it and you'll write it down and it'll be a moment. But I want us to start getting... Um, I want us to start normalizing and getting very accustomed to prophesying over each other just instantly. Hey, so the Holy Spirit doesn't need your 30 minutes of worship. You might need your 30 minutes of worship. He doesn't need any conjuring. He doesn't got to get worked up. Like, I know you're not interested and you're having a bad day, Holy Spirit. Let me worship you until you're happy again, and then you'll start talking. How many of you guys know that he's resting in conversations? He's resting over moments. You guys ever had one of those moments where someone's just, you're like, how are you? And they're like, yeah, terrible. I don't know why I'm telling you this. All this stuff's going on in my life, and this is all happening. And they're like crying. They're like, I don't normally do this. I'm just doing it with you, and I don't know why this is happening. Why did you ask me how I'm doing? You know, and you guys ever had one of those moments, you know, with somebody, and you're just like, oh, you'll, you'll get through, through it. Okay, have a good day, you know, and you move on, and you don't know what to say or do. Do you, guys, do you guys understand there are moments where the Holy Spirit is resting on a conversation and it's an invitation for you to prophesy. It's an invitation for you as people start getting into their life. I don't know what I'm going to do. Man, I had such a week this week and it was really rough. I'm just happy to be here. Do you know that that conversation is an invitation for you to prophesy? Someone begins to go over the confusion. I don't know. I got a lot going on. I got some decisions to make in my life. It's an invitation for you to prophesy. Now, what I want us to get to is very normalized and accustomed and familiar with prophesying over each other and being sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit to allow prophetic realities to govern our interactions and our decision making and our worldviews. Is this okay? Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things that we hope for. It's the evidence of an unseen realm. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. 
And by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things that are seen were not made with things that are visible. Fascinating verse. I've shared this a lot. I'll share it again. Um, I want to keep this this idea always ahead of us. And it's this. Faith is a substance of things that we hope for. Um, I want to I wanna turn some people's worlds upside down today and tell you that faith is not believing. It's about responding to what you believe to be true. Uh, it says that faith is a substance. has movement, has action, it's measurable, it's manifested. It's something that you can actually put language to, you can see, you can hold. Uh, faith has substance. Faith is the substance of things that we hope for the evidence of things that we do not see. Faith is a substance of things that we hope for. That word hope, I know that we've always looked at hope as this blind trust, this blind idea, this like hopeful attitude, a a, a posture of just being a hopeful perspective on things. Hey, so hope is not just having a positive outlook on life. Hope is actually a confident reassurance of the accomplishments of Christ. It's actually an internal framework of belief. Faith is not what you believe. Hope is what you believe. And what you believe has been determined by his accomplishments. We know what Jesus has accomplished. We know that he's proven his faithfulness. We know that that he has followed through on his promises. And therefore, it's given me hope because it is the outlook of my life. It's not based upon chance. It's based upon the assurance of Jesus Christ. Now that has set the course of my hope, and now my hope is what undergirds my movement. And what is my movement? Is my faith is responding to what I believe to be true. If you understand this, you understand that when it, say, when it says like even a mustard seed of faith can, can, can move mountains, I need you to understand that doesn't mean you kind of believe. I've always, I've always found that so dumb. Like, if you only believe 1%, 99%, you really doubt God's going to be able to do it. 99%. You are fully against God's ability to do this. But there's just one sliver of maybe possibility he could do this. That is not the mustard seed of faith. The mustard seed of faith is even with the smallest bit of action on your belief, you can move mountains. With the smallest bit of movement. And you fully believe that God is your provider. And I don't care if you give the widow's might. You give a mustard seed, he's going to move provisional mountains for you. You, you, you. you believe that God heals the sick. And even with a mustard seed of faith of laying hands on the sick, and you don't even know what to pray, then you, you pray the wrong thing. It doesn't matter. Your faith has moved mountains and healing is available because you acted upon what you believe, even in the smallest way. Some of you are very offended by this. Because be, you're offended because you had theology that affirmed you're allowed to doubt your whole life and only have a little bit of belief. And that's offensive because it calls us to accountability to fully yield our beliefs to the accomplishments of Jesus Christ. But here's what it says. 
It says that when you build a framework completely founded upon the, the, very, the, the very accomplishments of Jesus and the assurity of the Father's love and his faithfulness, it says this. It says that it becomes the evidence of what? An unseen realm. And, now, and, that, and this is what the elders obtained a good inheritance from this. And it says, it, it says concerning um, living from a place of faith is that the world that we see was not built with hands and physical things. It was actually built on faith. It was built from an invisible reality. How many of you believers, we can't be those that are living in a carnal reality from moment to moment and becoming prisoners of outcomes to situations. We have to live from another reality. That my current posture is not based on what's going on around me. My posture and my movement is actually prophetic because I know that, that I, I know the accomplishments of Christ has purchased an outcome. So I'm going to live in the future, currently in the present. And my ability to live in this moment with the reality of what's to come is actually going to pull the promise of breakthrough into the situation. Does this make sense? This is not just a prophetic word. This is living from a prophetic reality. It says in Revelation 19, it actually says that the testimony of Jesus is of the spirit of prophecy. So what we understand is that the prophetic, uh, the, the, the prophetic ministry is founded on the centrality of Jesus. There was no prophetic word in the Old Testament that was not about Jesus. And there's not a prophetic word for the uh, New Testament that's not also about Jesus. It became the hinge of the covenant. Jesus' sacrifice and resurrection is the very hinging point of the entire covenant between God and man. And in the Old Testament, the prophetic ministry constantly pointed to the need and the recognition of the coming Savior. It actually partnered with the idea of lack. You lack, you need a savior. You are not where you are. You need to get into alignment, Israel, so that Jesus, the Messiah, could come. It, the, the entire Old Testament uh, prophetic ministry is about beckoning and calling the coming event of the coming Messiah. But when you understand that he fulfilled the Old Testament covenant, he became the hinge point of history, we know that the new covenant has now actually become a, 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 a exempt, uh, shoot, um, it has, it has now become the new covenant prophetic ministry is actually all about inviting us into the accomplishments of Jesus Christ. The prophetic ministry, as we know, is a foresighting ministry right, because of what Jesus has done, because of the testimony of Jesus, I can run years into the future, and because of the accomplishments of Christ, I can know his promise of faithfulness, his promise of goodness. I know I can promise his mercy, and I can promise his goodness, and I can promise provision because Jesus purchased it with his blood. The stripes were laid on his back for his healing. I can prophesy healing because of what he'd done. So I've run ahead, and now you might still be in your circumstance. The prophetic ministry beckons you out of your circumstance into the promise-coming reality, and, and it, it changes our worldview and our understanding. The New Testament is about seeing the future through the lens of the accomplishments of Christ. The prophetic ministry boasts in its accomplishments and invites us to step uh, into what's been made available. I'll tell you this right now. Does anybody want to discern the spirit of a prophetic word? 
Do you want to know how to discern the spirit of a prophetic word? Or a dream? You bind it to the truth of the accomplishments of Jesus Christ. If the only fruit of a prophetic word is to highlight your lack and cause shame, to try to motivate you to accomplish something, you have to understand that that was actually, it, it was actually a wrong spirit. It was not the spirit of Christ because the spirit of Christ boasts in the accomplishments of Jesus. Does that mean that it's not used for correction? Does that mean it's not used for, for actually repentance? No, it doesn't. But when, when it actually highlights your lack and emphasizes uh, uh, your failures and produces shame, it doesn't actually, uh, it's not rooted in the testimony of Jesus. And it's not a spirit of prophecy. It's the spirit of the flesh or the spirit of the world. Any, any prophecy given void of the testimony of Jesus is a false prophecy. And it's the same thing, uh, it comes from the same spirit that witches and warlocks use to conjure spiritual readings. We okay? We, we have to know how to discern. How do we discern any spirit? We bind it to the accomplishments of Jesus Christ. We bind it to the truth of the gospel. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, false prophecy in the church and it's not because they're getting prophetic words wrong. It's because they're prophesying void of the testimony of Jesus. Living from a prophetic reality causes us to live from realities that are, have yet to manifest. You know, the world has joy when good things happen. But we have joy. But we live from joy because of the guarantees of God's goodness. We live from joy because joy lives inside of me. The world has hope when things start to line up. A couple good things happened this week. I'm starting to get some hope about the future. But we live from hope because we serve the God of the impossible. We are not prisoners of outcomes. Say that with me. We are not prisoners of outcomes. The prophetic ministry, it it creates an internal resiliency because the testimony of his faithfulness has yet, uh, has predetermined the outcome so I can live with certainty of a reality that is yet to materialize. Like I need you to understand the prophetic is not just, like I said, a word or a ministry moment. The prophetic is actually a reality and it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit because of the accomplishments of Jesus. It is actually the movement of the Holy Spirit inside of me. The moment I receive Jesus into my life, a prophetic spirit comes upon my life because all of a sudden I have access to joy and hope that I never had before. Why? Because of the goodness of God that was accomplished through Jesus Christ has now actually predetermined my future and I have access to a reality that is yet to manifest. And so actually the world can look around and go, I'm so overwhelmed with the situations of the world. I'm so overwhelmed by the need. I'm so overwhelmed by the problems. I'm so overwhelmed by the economy. And I can actually step out of the overwhelming and I can go to breakthrough and I can go into provision and God's promises over my life. And I can actually stand there where nobody else is standing, where the rest of the world isn't standing. And I can live from peace and joy because I know that he's going to be faithful and he's always been faithful to his word. He's going to provide for me. And so even if it looks like things are dark right now, I don't live from the situation of right now. I live from the reality of what's to come, of what he's producing in me. 
I can actually go through hurt and pain and betrayal. I can actually go through all of that. And I can go through with joy. I can go through suffering with joy. Why can I go through suffering with joy? Because I know that it's producing something in me. And I know that his wisdom is sure. And I know that he's never left me nor failed me. And I know that he's going to be faithful through all of this. And if I'm walking through it, I listen. I, I, I personally hate the theology of God gives his, his best warriors the greatest battles. I hate that. I absolutely hate that because God is not an evil, mean, wicked man trying to teach you through pain. But he is a God who will step down into your humanity and prove his wisdom and give you grace to overcome all of the things that we all experience in our life. And he will step into it and produce gold out of something that will never produce gold on its own. He is not the author of this situation trying to teach you how to be a big boy. He's not a mean father that like abandons you in the woods going, but did you survive? Let's go, son. It's not, it's not who he is. But who is he? He's a faithful father that steps into it and says, I know that you're surrounded by enemies, but let me teach you my heart and my ways and let me make you more like me, son. Let me give you wisdom and let me, let's take some things that the enemy has sent against us and turn it and let's use it to advance our kingdom together. He's a faithful father. And I can live from the reality of what he's producing in me even when it doesn't feel like that's what's going on. M many of us are waiting for prophetic words to be fulfilled and we're holding our hope and peace and joy hostage to the outcome instead of living out the testimony of Jesus and allowing it to shape a prophetic reality over our life. Some of us are like, I'm called to the nations. And you're like a barista. And you hate being a barista because you're called to the nations. Like sometimes we, we know where we have a prophetic word that's told us what's going to happen. And so that we can't actually stay in the moment of what is currently happening and find joy. Because we're waiting for something to happen. But you're not called to be a prisoner of the moment and then hold your joy hostage. You're actually supposed to live in fulfillment even through the process and the journey of getting there. Carry the same hope and joy as the fulfilling moment. Is this helping anybody? And so when I start talking about, I believe there's about to be a Holy Spirit invasion. I, I believe that the Lord, and, and I don't, and I'm not, when I say that, I'm not talking about a church-wide revival. I'm talking about a you revival. I'm talking about the Lord stepping into the, into the nine to five, stepping out of the church box. Like, yo, we get together. It is our inheritance that we touch God in this place. There's nothing in the way. We step in here, and, and there's a collective apprehension of God himself in heaven invades. This is the easy part. But what I believe that he wants to do is actually step out of this model and out of this mode, step into your life and apprehend you. And absolutely apprehend your waking hours of your night. Apprehend your studies, students. 
apprehend your interactions and your friendships. Apprehend the way that you think. Apprehend your conversations where you have just been okay to say, well, I'm so sorry it's going on. Have a great day. God wants to step in, apprehend you, and make you his mouthpiece over somebody. Start hijacking your life. Uh, There's moments where somebody starts like having a really difficult moment with me, and I start feeling joy all over my life. And I'm like, well, dang it, you're really sad, but I'm feeling a ton of joy right now. What's going on? I need you to know that like that's a prophetic moment because they don't have joy, but I have it for them. Here, let me give you some of my joy, and I can step into your stuff and go, I'm here for you. Let's have a prophetic moment right now. Is this all right? And, and the, the, the incredible part about this, let me just end with, end with, with, with like, like four super, super rapid little things, right? Like super rapid. Is that when, the, when you begin to allow the prophetic into your life in this way, what I'm talking about, take the boundary lines off of like conference mode, ministry team mode, prophetic word mode. You start allowing the prophetic ministry of the Holy Spirit into your life this way. It absolutely will expose every lie that the enemy has sown into your life. It will. How will it do, do that? By telling you the truth. We expose lies not by telling the lies, but by, by telling the truth. It actually says that the, uh, that, that the devil is a father of lies. But, the, but Jesus said, but I'm sending the spirit of truth, and he'll lead you into all truth. I need you to understand that he was not called the exposer of lies. He was called the spirit of truth. Why? Because truth always confronts lies. Truth always confronts lies. You do not have to step out of the truth in order to expose a lie. Just stay in the truth and lies will always be exposed for what they are. If you were working in my bank and I gave you a a fake $100 bill and I would say, hey, how do you know this is fake? You would start looking for the telltale signs of a fake $100 bill. But that's not actually how you tell the, the fake from the reals. You tell the fake from the reals by becoming so aware of what a real dollar bill looks like that any moment the counterfeit comes before you, you're able to expose it because you know what the truth looks like. When the prophetic comes in and what Jesus says about all of you and you know the accomplishments of Christ over your life, that there is no weapon formed against you that can prosper. That you got the foundations of truth. That, that, that shame is not your portion. That he is not the accuser of the brethren. That he is not angry or overwhelmed or disappointed in you. But the blood of Jesus has actually purchased the Father's pleasure over your life. That you are not weak, but in your weakness, his strength is made perfect. If you know what Jesus has purchased for you, when the enemy tries to come with lies of shame and bondage over your life, you'll be able to confront every lie because you're aware of the truth. The prophetic ministry is founded on the accomplishments of Christ. And the enemy wants to come and bind you with lies. And when you believe a lie, you empower the liar. So the spirit of truth comes to expose truth. And what does he say? You're, you're my favorite son. You're my favorite daughter. I'm overwhelmed by you. Sometimes shame comes in and goes, well, once you get your life right, then God will show up and he, you will find his favor and he will provide finances for you. And that right there is a lie from the pit of hell. That his provision, his provision is not connected to your performance. And because of that, the the Lord wants to come in and he wants to reveal, I did not purchase you performance. I purchased your identity as a son and daughter to give you an inheritance that's not connected to your accomplishments, but to my accomplishments. 
The truth exposes every lie. Are we all right? Number two, it convicts the world of sin. Prophetic turns the light on. By doing what? I see you in your sin. If I got up here and started prophesying and I just called somebody out, I was like, I see you alone and you're doing things you shouldn't do. How do you guys know fear would break out in the entire room? You'd be like, oh, look at the time. It is lunchtime. I want you to know that is not the spirit of God that ministers that way. It's just not. But I do want to tell you the prophetic will convict your heart of sin. Why? Because when God actually says who you really are, you are the most aware person in the room of everything in the way of you fulfilling that word over your life. And I don't need to say a word about your sin because the truth of who you are immediately gets confrontational with the sin that's in the way of you stepping into it. If I turn the light on, how many of you know light casts shadows? And when the light of who you are, if I, if, man, if I just walk over and I'm just like, James, bro, there's revival all over your life. I see a leadership mantle on you. I, I see you holding a lampstand. And I know that there's a leadership call in your life and that you're to carry um, like an apostolic anointing on your life. And, and if I start going into that, if there is anything in the way of that identity, which all that was true, I really see that over your life. If there's anything in the way, I don't need to come in and go, but there's something in the way, James. You guys hearing me? The light casts a shadow that only he is aware of to bring before Jesus and say, God, I want to fulfill the call of God in my life. And every shadow that's being casted by my calling, I ask you to expose it to me right now. Give me grace to overcome. And there's the conviction of sin follows the prophetic word over your life. Isn't that joyful? We can do a lot of work by prophesying over each other. Number three, it unlocks breakthrough. When mysteries are unveiled, we're brought into alignment with God. And, uh, we're brought into alignment. You know, there, there's, there's something about alignment. It says the, the uh, really quick, uh, you know, there's, um, it's the, the glory of God to hide a matter. It's the glory of kings to seek it out. There's something about aligning your life that when you align your life to what God is saying and doing on your life, that it releases breakthrough. And, you know, and listen, and I'm not trying to put performance back into the conversation, but how many of you guys know that God will provide for your calling, but he won't provide for your apathy? I know that feels obvious, but you guys, are you guys... When there's actually rebellion in my heart and I'm resisting the word of God over my life and I'm living a complete opposite way, he's not withholding blessing over my identity, but he, 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 he may be withholding provision that's meant to be spent on my calling instead of spending it on the pleasures of the world. And there's moments where I go, God, I'm not going to resist the call of God in my life. I'm going to make decisions right now to lay down this and to lay down that to make room for you. And you step out of the boat. His supernatural provision follows your act of faith. Your act of faith of what? Being obedient to the beckoning of the word. What, do you remember? Do you guys realize Peter has no ability to walk on, on water? But Jesus stood out there, and Peter said, if it's really you, bid me come. And Jesus said, come. And you might have heard this before, but I'll say it again. Uh, Peter did not walk on water. He walked on the word. 
on the word and the invitation to come. And there's something about us responding to the call of God in our life that when we make room, provision and supernatural powers release and breakthrough comes in partnership with the word. To step out. The prophetic word calls us back into alignment and it releases breakthrough. And the last thing is this. It creates communal trust. When we start prophesying over each other, if I can look at you in your, in your worst day, if you, you all of a sudden have a breakdown in front of me and I say, how's your day? And you go, it is not great. And you start going over all your failures, all your confusions. One of the first things that will probably come out of your mouth is, oh my God, I don't know why I do that. I feel so stupid right now. I feel so vulnerable in front of you. Uh, you probably think a lot less of me because I showed you this side of myself. And if I go, I'm so sorry, and get out of that conversation quick, it will only affirm the insecurity and open a door for the lies of the enemy to bind your heart. But if I can step into that hairy moment of your life and I can actually prophesy the truth of who you are over your life, you will begin to trust me because you know that I don't see you for who you've been. I see you for where you're going. And I'm binding myself to the call of God in your life and I'm not gonna let you forfeit who you are in this moment of confusion. I'm calling you ahead. Let's go. I got a word for you. And it creates communal trust because you know these people see you by the spirit and not by the flesh. And that, you know what that does as well? It creates a vulnerable community that's willing to be transparent and actually talk through their sin. No more hidden sin. It's only hidden because of fear. And I realize there's some battles to be had, but they're only going to be had if we begin to trust each other enough to begin to open our chest and say, will you see me by the Spirit? A prophetic community creates communal trust because the people that practice seeing each other by the Spirit. Is that all right? Stand with me.